episode 180. And now, here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. And welcome back, everybody, to the Dharmic Evolution. It is so grand to have you back with me once again. Hey, who is your favorite song? What is your favorite song? What is it about a favorite song that just stays with us forever? It's emblazoned in our mind. Whatever season happens upon us, we remember that favorite song. Whether that favorite song was just the song or who was in your life at the time. We're going to dig in and find out all about favorite songs, what they do, how they inspire us, how they reel us back in time to those pleasant memories. You better strap up your seatbelts, because we're going for a ride. Are you a singer-songwriter, author, speaker, or thought leader? Have you been looking for a platform for your career? Well, the James O'Connor Agency has exactly what you are looking for. Find out how we write and produce big, amazing songs on Music Row for authors, speakers, thought leaders and organisations like non-profit and corporations. We also help singer-songwriters and artists by giving them a platform on Dharmic Evolution, a podcast designed specifically to broadcast your global career now in 71 countries and with more than 161 episodes of artists all over the world from all genres, we know how to reach your target audience. Are you a dreamer like James? Then reach out today to james at thejamesoconnoragency.com and find out how we can help your global career. Yes, that's what we do. We help people's global career. And that's what we're here for. Okay, so let's talk about favorite songs. Why does a favorite song just so inspire us, stay with us, stay like just connected in our brain? And, um, you know, I want to talk about, I was going through this blog here. It's called Slate. Uh, It just pulled this up and this kind of speaks to a lot of the things that um, I'm talking about in this particular episode and um, I just want to read you a couple of things and comment on, you know, what happens to people when uh, they just hang on to this favorite song and how it like stays with them throughout their life. Like really, um, it stays with you year after year, decade after decade. So let me just read this. This is by, um, it's called Neural Nostalgia. And uh, the author, it looks like, is Mark Joseph Stern. And it's called Slate is the blog. It looks like um, science, the state of the universe. Looks pretty interesting. So I'll just read this. As I plod through my 20s, I've noticed a strange phenomenon. The music I loved as a teenager means more to me than ever. But with each passing year, the new songs on the radio sound like noisy nonsense. On an objective level, I know this makes no sense. I cannot seriously assert that ludicrous rollout is artistically superior to Katy Perry's roar, yet I treasure every second of the former and reject the latter as yelping pablum. (laughs) If I listen to the top 10 hits of 2013, I get a headache. 
if I listen to the top 10 hits of 2003, I get happy. So why, uh, why is this? And I've, I've had some experience with this in, um, you know, I've been around for a while, you know, I'm not in my twenties. I'm actually in my early sixties. And, um, you know, I had the pleasure of, you know, being around when music really flipped for the first time. Like that's the, uh, late 60s Woodstock was happening. Everything was being created brand new. Like nothing had been tried yet. The idea of guitar, bass, and drums just alone, three-piece, uh, ruled the day. And in some cases, four-piece like Zeppelin and bands like that. But, um, what happens is in time, a lot of people lose their zeal for new music appeal. Hey, write that one down. Yeah, there's a song. And, and what I mean by that is there's something in you, there's something neurological that gets old. And don't ever do that. Um, always be open to new ideas and um, I remember when I think it was uh, Pete Townsend. This was years and years ago, and the Who had had their like their big run, and they put out all their the massive you know albums with Tommy and Who's Next, and they had all their massive successes, and they were honoring a new band at some event. I don't know if it was a Grammys or one of those shows, and I remember Pete Townsend getting up and saying, uh, and I think they were honoring the Clash, and he says. You know, it's not up to us to judge one way or the other. It's just up to us to get the F out of the way. And uh, truer words were never spoken. Like he had enough foresight to say, you know, don't be so judgmental of of what's coming up uh, because, you know, maybe they're the next who or whatever. So music must change. Music will always change. And I think that in some ways it's good because it's a reflection of what's going on socially. But I think what happens is a lot of times we get caught up in, you know, Springsteen wrote glory days. And that's that's the whole thing of, you know, I'm living in my past because that's the happy um, part of my brain that I go to because I remember that date. I remember how new it was. And I was 18 years old or I was 22 or 23 or 25 or something. And uh, I remember that song was playing you know, the first time I made out in the car with uh, with Desi Lou, you know, or Mary Jane. And it was just it was just over the top. You know, we had sex in the car and, and whatever happened, you know, it was and your your mind seems to tie the song into that time period. So I think a lot of people get get stuck back and then back in those days. And maybe it's more so for non musicians um, than musicians, because if you're a if you're a singer songwriter, if you're a musician, perhaps um, you know if you're actively out there working or doing something in the business or whatever, you're probably more connected to what's going on as far as you know new bands uh, coming out, and um, you know you should you should probably uh, be very very uh, happy and elated that you're still able to like process and appreciate the new music that's constantly coming out. Um, there's a band called uh, Lifehouse who, uh, they're not really new. They've been around for a while, but relatively new. But I, I love the, what these guys are doing. And, um, you know, My Morning Jacket is another one out there. There's, there's a lot of really good, talented 
musicians, uh, people coming out. Ed Sheeran's been doing things for a while. And these are, these are people who um, already have track records and have been around, but there's constantly new artists, new music coming out um, that is not only worthy of listening to, but you can so appreciate what these new artists are doing. Just like this show, Dharmic Evolution, is all about the indie singer-songwriters. And I'm probably as in touch or more in touch with most people out there because I ferret out these people and look for them uh, all over the world and put them on this show to tell their stories long before they get to, you know, the big media pop and become the, you know, the, the new Grammy stars, which a lot of the people who have been on this show will be recipients of Grammys. And we're going to see that happen. Okay, so getting back to the blog here with uh, Mark, um, some interesting points he makes here. Um, why do the songs I heard when I was a teenager sound sweeter than anything I listened to as an adult? I'm happy to report that my own failures of discernment as a music critic may not be entirely to blame. In recent years, psychologists and neuroscientists have confirmed that these songs hold disproportionate power over our emotions. And researchers have uncovered evidence that suggests our brains bind us to the music we heard as teenagers more tightly than anything we'll hear as adults. A connection that doesn't weaken as we age. Musical nostalgia, in other words, isn't just a cultural phenomenon. It's a, neuro, it's a neuronic command. And no matter how sophisticated our tastes might otherwise grow to be, our brains may stay jammed on those songs we obsessed over, over during the high drama of adolescence. So he's underscoring my point I made earlier. It's like, you know, the glory days. It's like, I, I want to be tied to that. And that's why a lot of the people who are older stay in their glory days and, you know, they stay with their vinyl. Some of them were smart to stay with the vinyl, right? Because now vinyl's coming back. <laughs> but you get the point. It's like, you've all met these people who, who all swear that, you know, the new music is, is for the dogs and what I listen to, that's my thing. Whether it's you're a 50s guy, a 60s guy, a 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever it was, your period remains with you as your favorite. And, um, and Mark is bearing this out in his blog by saying that, you know, there's something neurological going on. It's not just a, you know, it's kind of a, uh, that good feeling in your brain. And uh, Mark goes on to say, to understand why we grow attached to certain songs, it helps to start with the brain's relationship with music in general. When we first hear a song, it stimulates our auditory cortex, and we convert the rhythms, melodies, and harmonies into a coherent whole. From there, our reaction to music depends on how we interact with it. Sing along to a song in your head, and you'll activate your pre premotor cortex. Or is it premotor cortex? I think it's premotor. Uh, which helps plan and coordinate movements. Dance along, and your neurons will synchronize with the beat of the music. Pay close attention to the lyrics and instrumentation, and you'll activate your peridial cortex, which helps you shift and maintain attention to different stimuli. Listen to a song that triggers personal memories and your prefrontal cortex, which maintains information relevant to your personal life and relationships, will spring into action. 
So you see, it's a whole lot more than just hearing a song. You know, there's a whole bunch of neurological things that are happening, you know, unbeknownst to most of us that, you know, why is this, man? I just dig it. There's something going on. Where's that? It's dopamine kicking in or something, you know. Um, So he goes on to say, uh, but memories are meaningless without emotion. And aside from love and drugs, nothing spurs an emotional reaction like music. Brain imaging studies show that our favorite songs stimulate the brain's pleasure circuit, which releases an influx of dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, oxytocin, and other neurochemicals that make us feel good. The more we like a song, the more we get treated to neurochemical bliss, flooding our brains with some of the same neurotransmitters that cocaine chases after. Wow, I didn't know this. So there's cocaine involved here. Wow. <laughs> but the, the point is that it's not just a love of music. There's something, you know, that's happening in the brain neurologically that um, also, you know, kicks in. So compound that with just the feel good of the song. There's something going on in, inside of us that's uh, more powerful than, than I think we even, we even know about. Music lights these sparks of neural activity in everybody. But in young people, the spark turns into a fireworks show. Between the ages of 12 and 22, our brains undergo rapid neurological development. And the music we love during that decade seems to get wired into our lobes for good. When we make neural connections to a song, we also create a strong memory trace that becomes laden with heightened emotion. Thanks partly to a surfeit of of pubertal pubertal growth. I can't even say this. Puberty. Hormones. These hormones tell our brains that everything is incredibly important especially the songs that form the soundtrack to our teenage dreams and embarrassments, like the one, the embarrassment I'm feeling by tripping over the word pubertal, which I've never used in my life. On its own, these neurological pyrotechnics would be enough to imprint certain songs into our brain. But there are other elements at work that lock the last song played at your eighth grade dance into your memory pretty much forever. Daniel Levitin, the author of This Is Your Brain on Music, The Science of a Human Obsession, notes that the music of our teenage years is fundamentally intertwined with our social lives. So that tells us a lot about what's going on uh, with the song and the brain interwoven. We're going to get right back to the brain right after this. Have you connected with your gratitude today? I think I have something that will help inspire you. It's the brand new release from James Kevin O'Connor. Gratitude, recorded on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee with producer Kim Copeland and team, is James' third full-length album in four years. Ten amazing songs, each one a different story about the emotions, journeys and experiences that you and I have lived. Songs like Dreamer, Jesus Teaches, Tango On, and 51 Shades of Grey, and of course, title track, Gratitude. Pick up the brand new CD today with amazing artwork and photography at iTunes, CD Baby, and Amazon, or simply go to jameskevinoconnor.com for your download right now. Send someone that you love a copy of Gratitude today. It might be exactly what they need in their life right now. 
Gratitude, the new release by James Kevin O'Connor. Okay, so let's wrap up the um, the neurological piece of this uh, this um, podcast with. I just want to read the last paragraph here that um, is in this blog by uh, Mark Joseph Stern. I thought he did a great job on this, by the way. Really, really cool. Um, some of these things we know intuitively, but to have the science part of it explained um, is pretty valuable, I think. So wrapping up, as fun as these theories may be, their logical conclusion, you'll never love another song the way you love the music of your youth. It's a little depressing. (laughs) It's not all bad news, of course. Our adult tastes aren't really weaker. They're just more mature, allowing us to appreciate complex aesthetic beauty on an intellectual level. No matter how adult we may become, however, music remains an escape hatch from our adult brains back into the raw, unalloyed passion of our youths. The nostalgia that accompanies our favorite songs isn't just a fleeting recollection of earlier times. It's a neurological wormhole that gives us a glimpse into the years when our brains leapt with joy at the music that, be- that comes to define us. Those years may have passed, but each time we hear the songs we loved, the joy they once brought surges anew. And that is really cool. And you know what else is kind of cool is um, if you're lucky enough to have kids, and I have two sons, and they help me stay cutting edge. As a matter of fact, um, you know, I enjoyed like when my son Kyle was going to, um, was going to college, uh, John Meyer was, was, uh, just up and coming, you know, so that, you know, that's, that's a while ago now. And then Trevor, you know, he keeps me like really, really tuned into who's playing what he's in Austin, Texas now, and he's out playing. He's a, he's an awesome singer songwriter himself. And, um, he keeps me up to date on who's playing where, who's playing what, what's current, what's happening, what's being played out. So um, having that, you know, just finding ways to stay connected with music kind of lessens it for me. I don't feel that distance that a lot of people do feel that if they grew up with a certain um, a certain genre of music, a certain favorite artists, certain time period, they get, you know, they get trapped into that. And I don't mean really trapped, but I mean trapped in the way that you're not allowing other um great artists to come into your life and influence you. So I think that is, um, that's something I think if you can find a way to do that, open yourself up to some of the things that are going on now. Um, you're just the recipient of more of a catalog. My my catalog just never ends. It just keeps on growing. And, uh, I like that. I listen to anything from, you know, Sinatra to Bruno Mars and everything in between, and you can find a way to appreciate anything, whether it's Pavarotti or, you know, good music is good music is good music. And a good song will always, always, always be a good song. And there's always room for more. No matter how many artists we have, there is always room for another good song. And bringing me to my point of favorite song, why did I write favorite song and why am I featuring that? Um, When I'm actually marketing my new album, Gratitude, I'm going back to Geography of the Soul, which was a 2014 release uh, on Music Row in Nashville. And the third track on that song is Favorite Song. 
And uh, I wrote this, of course, it's about a relationship with a woman and all of the things we just talked about. And the metaphor was, uh, you know, you're my favorite song, meaning that it's, it's a woman, it's a person. And it could be anyone. It could be, you know, from a woman's perspective, it could be a man. Uh, who was your favorite song? In the summer of whatever, or in the winter of, or in the spring of, whatever year. So the, the, the metaphor and the philosophy behind the song is timeless. Doesn't matter. It's just, um, it, it's been happening since music began. Since the first person whistled, you know, uh, an agreeable tune to someone else's ear, it was someone's favorite song. And, you know, I took that and I, I added my experiences, uh, you know, you know, I love a double zero. <laughs> You're the perfect size for me. You know, oh, how I love those yellow stilettos. You, you always knew how to annihilate me. And uh, all these, you know, these little you know, these little barbs of dopamine, you know, I, I put into this song that, you know, were relevant to me and the person I was with at, at the time. And you can fill in the blanks and put in your own. But that's what Favorite Song was all about. And when we cut it in Nashville, um, had some really nice little surprises as far as uh, Paul Hollowell did the piano on this. He did a fabulous job. Wayne Killies was on drums. Uh, Jim Hyatt was on bass, and uh, James Mitchell was on guitar, the ripping guitar, and Glenn Duncan played, I think he played, what did he play, bazooki or something on this? Um, or acoustic guitar, I can't remember what. But I wrote this on acoustic, and I just had a really cool feeling about it when I was writing it. And, um, you know, I think Glenn either played the lute or... Uh, or the bazooki, uh, one of these on, on this track. But it just felt uh, really good when we cut it. And I res wasn't really 100% sure how we were going to end up with, you know, the feel other than we wanted the piano, wanted it organic, and Kim Copeland did her usual. She had a very, very good sense of uh, the song. And uh, one of the other things we did is after the tracks were cut, um, I did the vocals, I think I did some of the vocals back here in New Jersey, and I had Trevor, uh, my son, sing on this with me, the gang vocals that we did at the end. So my, my favorite part of my favorite song is when I hear Trevor's voice kick in at the end. That's always a rush for me because um, I just love singing with him and having him on my records when, when I can. So that was really, really a trip. And uh, this song, we ended up doing a video of this song with uh, Jack Thomas Smith, who was the producer slash director of the film. We call it a film, but it, it's, it's a music video. And we had a riot that day. I mean, we just had so much fun. Um, he came out with his whole team. And we, you know, Mandy Del Rio was there and her daughter Luna. And, you know, we just took the whole day and it took like... I don't know how many hours, but it was it was a long, long day. You know, a bunch of we did it just like a, a regular, you know, any anybody who was doing uh, you know, a big Hollywood production, it was sorta of like that. And we just went from really from dawn till dusk and everybody just worked their tail off uh to make this video happen. So if you get a chance, 
Uh, check it out. It's on the James O'Connor Agency YouTube channel called Favorite Song. Just pull it up. And uh, you can check out Jack's work and everybody who worked behind the scenes to make this uh, this film really, really fun, this video really fun. So um, that's it. You can check out the song. It's on the Geography of the Soul album. It's on my website, jameskevinoconnor.com. You can go there and check out any of the music that's happening. But um, make sure you stay connected with somebody special in your life and always appreciate whether they're in your life, you know, right now or it's something that has happened in the past. Make sure you appreciate the favorite song that once was and that memory will be with you forever. So in wrapping up, before we go, don't forget if you have not yet gone over to the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page. Please do so. And if you're an artist, if you're supporting other artists, you can check in. You can see who's up on the site. And if you are an artist, you can put up your content, put up a song, a video, a gig that you're playing, or you just want to stop by and say hello and support some other artist uh, who put something up. That would be awesome. Also, that's what it's there for. It's there for you to shine a light on your work for the rest of the uh, community to support you. So please do so. Also, all of you who have been supporting the Dharmic Evolution podcast in um, all of these countries, I'm just looking at the stats from last night. Uh, USA, we were number three. The UK, we're number two. Uh, Singapore, number one. Sweden, number one. Japan, number one. Germany, number two. Um, these are just some of the stats that are coming in consistently. We're in the top five, top ten, and uh, it's all thanks to you guys for supporting indie music worldwide, and uh, I just so appreciate you doing so uh, on behalf of the show, of other artists around the world who are looking for a platform. You found it here at the Dharmic Evolution, and also, just so you know, if you come on this show you not only get to uh, be part of the podcast, but this is a video show also. So four weeks later, it goes up on the James O'Connor Agency YouTube channel as a full-blown video with your music video if you have one. And if you'd like to be on the show, please go to dharmicevolution.com, the guest tab. Everything is there to fill out. Put in your assets and uh, submit your request. And uh, we'll see if we can get you on the show. That's it for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. So until the next time, when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage.
Those stilettos You always knew how to annihilate 